Gene sighed heavily as he tossed his lawn chair into the back of his rusted old F-150. Looking back at the large museum behind him, he wondered how he'd gotten himself into this situation. Spending his days in some large city, talking to a bunch of Yankees about how he'd lucked upon the biggest gator found in the bayou in modern history. As he was thinking this, his phone lit up, showing a picture of an old, frail-looking woman. In the picture, she was wearing an overly large t-shirt with the words, I will beat cancer, spelled out in pink. He smiled warmly at the picture before putting the phone to his ear. Hey, Ma. They taking good care of you down in the hospital. Oh, sure. How much more do you need? Oh, don't worry. I just got paid for another interview job. I can send it right over. <laughs> you get your rest now. I love you too. Bye. Jean sighed inwardly knowing all the money he'd recently made would barely cover what they were charging her. It was the damn chemo treatments. They were just so expensive, but if it helped his mother, no price was too high. It had always been him and her against the world, ever since he was born. His father was someone that his mother had always spoken highly of, but at the news of her pregnancy, he had just disappeared without a word. They had struggled hard to keep the bills paid, and his mother had worked two jobs just to keep food on the table. The way Jean saw it, it was just his turn to take care of her. A few clicks on his phone later, and he was ten grand poorer, and another bill was paid. Gritting his teeth, Gene pulled open his email. Looking at the plethora of offers for interviews and other guest visits, he hated dealing with all the big city craziness that came with this kind of work, but he knew it was the only way to keep up with the bills that his mother's treatment manufactured. While scrolling through the long list of emails, he saw one that really caught his eye. The tagline of the email was, Long-Term Appearance. Dear Mr. Landry, my name is Douglas Wilding. I am in charge of the bi-monthly fish and game exposition held here in Washington, D.C. When I heard about your amazing find, I knew I had to contact you. We are interested in offering you a permanent position here in Washington, D.C. All you would be required to do is talk about alligator hunting and your experience with the great beast you caught at our events. For this, we would be willing to compensate you roughly $10,000 per appearance, as well as we could help you in acquiring lodging. I hope to hear back from you soon. Douglas. Gene scoffed at the email. There was no way this was legitimate. He might as well send money to a Nigerian prince. And yet, he couldn't just ignore it. On the off chance this message held any merit, it would be the saving grace he needed and the permanent solution to his mother's medical bills. Not putting too much thought into it, Gene wrote back a short, if not terse, reply. Dear Douglas, this legit? Jane. With that, he slid his phone into a cargo pocket and climbed into the cab of his pickup. In doing this, his elbow collided with a stray can of peanuts, which in turn knocked over a shotgun and a bucket of shells that were sitting in the passenger seat. Groaning at the mess, he resigned himself to clean it up later. Placing his key in the ignition, he bit his lip as he attempted to coax the rusted beast to life. It took three turns of the key while pumping the gas pedal, but eventually it roared to life. Pulling out of the parking lot, he immediately found himself stuck in a mile-long traffic jam. His hands came up and slammed back down on the steering wheel. God damn it, I hate the city. An hour later, Gene finally made his way into his hotel room. Throwing his jacket to the side as he entered, he collapsed down onto the bed. No sooner had he closed his eyes, though, he heard the obnoxious sound of his phone going off. Cursing under his breath, he sat up and pulled the phone out of his pocket. Peering at the screen, he was greeted with a notification informing him that Douglas had replied. Dear Mr. Landry, 
I am quite serious about my offer. Our next exposition is happening relatively soon, and we would be ecstatic to have you as one of our keynote speakers. The date in question is the 5th of June, only one short week away. Since this is such short notice, we understand if you cannot make it within the time frame, and we would still be able to employ you in our future events. But, if you were to make it to this upcoming event, we would be willing to extend to you a one-time starting bonus of $5,000. Your future employer, Douglas Wilding. Gene eyed the last sentence, chuckling. <laughs> Cheeky bastard. In the end, though, he knew that Douglas was right. There was no way he was going to pass up this offer. Dear future employer, if you pay for my gas money, I'll be there tomorrow. Gene. Sending the message, he closed his eyes and laid his head back down. For the first time in a while, he let out a contented breath. Maybe things were looking up. That, or maybe he was being a damn fool. Either way, he needed to get some rest, because the next day, he had a long drive ahead of him. A night's rest, a couple hundred miles, and a huge cup of coffee later, he was stepping outside of his vehicle to see the impressive venue that was the Washington, D.C. Convention Center. The massive building towered above him, large glass walls lit up in the dim evening sky by glowing interior lights. Gene smiled as he looked upon the place. While it wasn't much for big cities, he had to admit that there was a small bit of pride that bloomed inside him at the fact that he had been offered to speak at such a grandiose place. Not too bad for a bastion in the bayou, he thought as he stepped toward the door. He was greeted there by a fat man in a plaid t-shirt, wheeling in what looked to be a large singing salmon. Hey, old boy, you must be Jane. Douglas said you'd be stopping by. Let me drop off my girlfriend here, he said, gesturing to the large fish, and I'll take you up to him. Jean chuckled and followed the man inside. My name's Tim. I do a lot of setting up for these events. Saying this, he made his way down to the main floor. Hundreds of booths were set up all along the main floor. There were booths for fishing, fly tying, boating, shooting, and various types of hunting. It seemed as though if there were an outdoor activity, you could find a booth for it here. Gene whistled through his teeth. You set up all this. Tim gave a proud grin and bobbed his head. After mounting the large fish onto a wall with what seemed to be like 100 other of its brethren, the pair made their way to an elevator and back. Tim pressed the top floor and the elevator asked for an ID card, which Tim promptly produced and swiped, causing the elevator to start to rise. Now, don't worry too much about Douglas. He can be a bit intimidating when you first meet him, but he's a good sort. As if on cue, at that moment, the elevator doors opened to reveal an opulently furnished, almost cabin-esque office space. The floor was a beautiful black wood that held a large bearskin rug in the center of it. Lining the walls of the room were several mounted animal heads. In the center of the office, sitting under a large snarling wolf in front of an oaken desk, was a tawny, red-skinned Native American man. The man stood as Gene entered the room, showing off his impressive height that climbed just shy of six and a half feet. He had large, broad shoulders that came down to well-muscled forearms, showing off a life of work that offset the lavish office that they now stood in. Come, have a seat, my friend. You've had a long drive. We've set up a room for you for the next two weeks in the adjoining hotel to this building. Here, have a drink, the man said, practically pushing a glass of amber liquid into Jean's hand. Jean glanced down at the drink and then back up at the man, digesting the last few moments. So, I'm assuming you're Douglas, Jean said quizzically while giving the drink a sniff. Oh, where are my manners? Yes, I am Douglas Wilden, and your employer. And as for our first matter of business, I said, have a drink with me. 
Douglas said, raising a glass of his own to toast with Jean. Jean boffed at Douglas. The man had been in his office for less than five minutes, and had told him his lodgings were already picked out, and was now trying to get him drunk. Jean half wondered if he was going to wake up missing a kidney as he raised his glass up, and then took a long pull off of his glass. No, said Douglas. Sit. We can go over your contract as we enjoy drinks. Looking at Douglas, who now sat once again in front of his polished desk, Jean saw the grin on his new employer's face, and noticed how it seemed that it held many similarities to the large wolf hanging above. Putting his glass down for a moment, Jean took a seat, and the two started going over paperwork. As they were going through, Jean noticed a few oddities, though. Why am I signing an NDA, and one so specific and weird? You're not to discuss persons, places, and creatures seen on premises without previous written authorization from Douglas Wilden. Furthermore, if found in violation of this specific part of your contract, you shall be immediately terminated, and legal action shall be pursued? Well, Douglas said, sometimes we have famous persons here on the premises, or may even have animals at the shows. Basically, we want to keep everything under wraps until the show day. It is what keeps everything so exciting. You never know what's going to happen, or what you might see. Eh, good enough for me. I'm not much for gabbing anyway. Looking up from his glass, eyes bleary from the combination of so much paperwork and the fine alcohol, Gene smiled as he saw Douglas sliding a check across the desk. Here is the bonus, with a little extra thrown in for gas money, as we agreed. I assume you're capable enough to find your way downstairs to the hotel? Gene polished off his glass in response and stood up, pocketing the check. For a moment, as he looked at Douglas, he felt a shiver go down his spine, but brushed it off as the alcohol getting them. I'm not much of a talker, or a kiss-ass, but I want to say thank you for this opportunity. I will do my best to exceed your expectations. With that, he turned to go, stopping only a few feet from the elevator as Douglas cleared his throat. One more thing, Mr. Landry, as he threw him a lanyard with a keycard on it. Welcome to the team. The hunters here will be glad to have you. Gene caught the card, pivoted, and entered the elevator, but not before catching the wolfish grin that once again found its way onto Douglas's face. Man, this place is weird, he thought as he pressed the button that would take him down to the hotel below. It took Gene a while to find his way through the maze-like building to the front desk of the hotel. Once there, he was greeted by a short, slender woman whose makeup and hairstyle let you know exactly the kind of music she listened to. She popped up out of her seat as soon as she saw Gene. A motion that made her nuclear green pigtails bounce, as well as other things that made Jean's eyes fix hard to the floor. You're gonna trip if you walk like that, she said with a knowing giggle. Uh, yeah, I'm here for the room Mr. Wilding set up for me, Jean said with more than a hint of red touching his cheeks. Oh, I know. I just wanted to tease you a bit first, she said. Your room is just down the hall, number 101. Would you like me to show you to it? She said the last part with a wink. Uh, uh n no, I I'm sure I can find it, Jean spluttered out, taking the key card she offered. Okay, then, she said with a pouting lip. If you need anything, anything at all, I'll be here, every night. My name is Sienna. Walking down the hall, Jean could still feel his cheeks glowing hot as he slid the key into the door. Upon stopping into the room, he was very happily surprised to see the place was not just another small hotel room. Instead, it was more of a full-size apartment. The real kicker was the decorations, though. There was antler lighting in every room, several Pelton skins lined the floor, and on the black granite countertop sat a bottle and a note. Welcome to your new home, my friend. 
Douglas. It's gonna be weird living here, but I guess it's not all bad, Gene said to himself as he pulled the stopper off the bottle and took a swig. Gene awoke late the next day. Rolling off the bed, he looked at the clock next to him and groaned as it read to him, 7.45. Damn, I slept in. With that, he headed out toward his truck to retrieve his belongings. He wasn't in his cab more than a couple of seconds before he heard a shrill pain scream echoing in the distance. His hand immediately shot to the stock of his gun. Part of him knew he should just ignore the sound, but to put it simply, it just wasn't the way his mother raised him. Loading some shells into the double barrel and pocketing a couple others, he stepped around the large building to the back alley the scream had echoed from. The scene that greeted him looked straight out of a horror film. Three burly men crowded a thin, pale woman. Her clothes were all but torn to shreds, and she was bleeding profusely from her arm. One of the men, a bald man with a crocodile tattoo running the length of his arm, turned as he saw Jean entering the alleyway and flashed him a menacing smile. Blood was caked to his teeth, and he swallowed a mouthful of something. You should keep walking, he hissed. In the same moment, another of the group took a large bite out of the girl's arm, causing her to elicit another agonizing scream. Jean pulled up his shotgun and leveled at the one who had spoken. I'm gonna say this once. Let her go, you freaks. The one bearing the crocodile tattoo whipped out a knife and boldly stepped closer to Jean. Without hesitation, Jean angled the gun toward the man's leg and pulled the trigger. Blood sprayed and bone splintered as the shell wrecked havoc through the man's femur. The other two at this point did not run in fear as Jean had predicted. Instead, they pulled knives of their own and charged Jean. Jean quickly replaced the spent slug with one from his pocket. Lifting the gun again, he fired. The second blast exploded the knee from the other one. It was at that moment Jean noticed the two downed men were not screaming in agony as he had thought, but instead the sound coming from their lips was that of cackling laughter. Shivers went down his spine as he noticed this, and it distracted him long enough the third one was able to get close before Jean could get another shot off. In an attempt to both subdue the attacker and protect himself, Jean whipped out the butt of the gun, catching the man in the side of the face which elicited a sickening thud. The man toppled, then Justice quickly sprang up and slid the knife up Jean's forearm. Blood gouted from the gash as Jean hissed in pain, and before he knew what he was doing, Jean had brought the barrel of the gun to the man's chest and pulled the trigger. The loud blast rang his ears. He watched as the man slumped lifelessly to the ground, glancing around, panicked by what he had just done. He saw the other two he had shot previously were still cackling, and a horrific sight met Jean's eyes. Their limbs, the ones he had blown off in an attempt to defend himself, were stitching themselves back together. Sinews and fibers of tissue clung together and pulled themselves back up, and Jean thought he was going to be sick. Quickly, he yanked the girl into a bridal carry and then started running. But where would he run? That, my dear listeners, is your choice to make. Maybe he'll run to Douglas's. Maybe then Douglas could call the police and keep them safe in the meantime. Maybe to the hospital. Both of them were quite hurt and will need some kind of medical attention in the end. Or should he go it alone and take her back to his hotel room? Besides, who would believe him anyway? This choice is yours to make, my dear friends. So hop onto our YouTube and vote in the comments on what you'd like to see happen in the next part of Gene's story. Until next time, let's write a story. Let's play a game without the dice.